2: And we're back on. I almost said sports talk on inside black gold. I haven't even hosted sports talk in like a week at this point, and I'm still saying it. That's how ingrained it is in my in my brain right now. But I'm gonna say you're all messed up from CWS stuff anyway. Yeah. uh Gosh. My my entire schedule, my entire last few weeks has been completely just erased from my brain. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to the next month of basically nothing. But we will be doing podcasts, so we're gonna have to come up with ideas and. I wanted to talk about Chris Alave in this segment because I think Chris Alave, his growth from year one to year two, is as big of a story as any the Saints will encounter this season. Obviously, you got to have Derek Carr. He's got to play up to snuff. You want to see Michael Thomas get back to his form. But if Chris Olave can take that step forward into kind of star wide receiver, the star wide receiver echelon, which I think he was close to but not quite in last year. This team can go a long way.
0: Yeah, to me, what he put up last season was really impressive, obviously, because he was really wide receiver one when you look at it with the injuries the team had. Michael Thomas goes down, Jarvis Landry, and there's the rookie left to carry the wide receiving core. And yeah, he had a, a pretty significant rookie season. Uh, What was it? Uh, 70 some odd catches. Over thousand catches, like
2: eleven hundred something yards, yeah.
0: Only four touchdowns. That's the one that you wish was, to me at least. I wish that was in the six to seven range. But the Saints' offense struggled to put up points
2: in the entire season, so that's not a surprise there. See, I'm not, I'm not as concerned about the the touchdowns because I think you have elite red zone weapons, and so I don't need him to necessarily be that. Like he's gonna score in, in his chances. I was concerned about the yak, which basically was non-existent. And the one game all season that I think you saw a really good yak out of him was uh, that week, <laughs> the week eighteen game against the Panthers Ooh. when he caught that touchdown. I think it was the opening drive, and just kind of turned and got upfield. There was like twenty-five yards of yak, and he scored a touchdown. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the hidden yardage here. Seventy-two catches for Chris Olave you should be looking at a lot more than a, than a thousand yards, right? Like that, these should be big plays. And that's what I think frustrated me is a lot of them were spot catches. And I think Derek Carr is going to play a big role in getting Chris Olave opportunities in situations where he can catch turn up field and run. Cause it's not necessarily his fault that he's not getting yak. If he's catching the ball and getting tackled immediately, but I think it's a team effort. And, you know, he talked about Chris Olave went on the Jim Rome show uh, and talked about, Derek Carr and kind of his relationship there. And uh,
1: there's that, here's that audio. Looking ahead to year number two, you've got a new quarterback this year in Derek Carr. What are your impressions of him so far as a player and as a leader? What's that been like?
3: Man, hey, I love him. Uh, I love him as a person. And uh, he's, a, he's a great leader on and off the field. That's, a, that's what you ask for as a receiver, uh, especially a young receiver. So uh, he's definitely helped me uh, better my game and get better myself. Uh, we all know we, what he could do on the field, but uh, just him being there for me off the field and even on the field, I feel like that helped me a lot, and it's, it's, it's helping us build our chemistry.
1: Hey Chris, that's something. Like you just said that, like you were really quick to say, "Oh, I love this guy. I love this guy." Is it like a personal thing? Like was he able to connect with you on a personal level, or is he the kind of guy, professional that you know is going to make you and the team better? Like, what do you love so much about this guy?
3: Uh, it's kind of both. Uh, I know. Like you said, just professionally, he's a great dude, and uh, he carries himself the right way on and off the field. So uh, it's something to look up to, and uh, as, a, as a leader, uh something you look at and uh, just studying success. Uh, just the the years he's been in the league, he's been one of the top quarterbacks. So, uh, and as a person, he's just a great person uh, with a great family, and uh, that rubs off on people. So,
2: one of the cliches that Derek Carr threw out there that I hadn't heard before, but I do appreciate. And I'm going to repeat it here, even though it's a cliche and it's silly. He says, like, if you want to go far, go or no, sorry, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I do think that he genuinely means that. And you hear things like this from Chris Olave and you've heard quotes like this from a lot of people is like he's not just trying to incorporate himself in a locker room. He's trying to incorporate himself into the lives of these people. And I think like, when you're a quarterback and a wide receiver, that's important. You can't just be a guy who says, okay, run 12 steps that way, and I'm going to throw you the ball. You need to be in sync with these people. You need to see inside their heads. And I think that at times last year you saw this offense kind of be disjointed and not on the same page, and Chris Olave is doing something, and Andy Dalton is doing something else. And that's the type of thing that I think with a full offseason working with a guy – you you can you can kind of avoid and you need to do that at warp speed this off season cuz you don't have 3 4 seasons to work up that chemistry it's got to get there now and so you know i what i think you're at a point where everyone's going to say the right thing anyway but it is good to hear that this young wide receiver and this old head quarterback are kind of connecting this quickly i know it's funny you say warp speed and
0: you're you're right i mean it's a it's a whole new ball game with Carr in town and it's tough obviously the thing's last year with Andy Dalton he wasn't expected to be your number 1 quarterback ended up turning into being that guy did okay he was Mr. you know league average I think you know you you've said it before in the past you know Mr. Mid or whatever you know like uh, what's his Mr. name Mr. Mid, Mr. Mid. <laughs> sounds like a fantastic four character Mr. league average uh, is uh That's in Kirk Minnesota Cousins. Yeah and I, I you know I think even he was a tick under that Dalton didn't even have
2: as, as I would say a good a year as even a, a cousins. He had a much better year than I would have expected. And I think he rode that wave of surprise <laughs> a long way. He was not good. He was good enough. And that's, that's <laughs> just like in the NFL, it's not going to get it done in the NFC South. It almost was good enough, right? Um, but it was never good enough to say like, Oh, this team could could do some damage in the playoffs. It was, Maybe good enough to say, could this team sneak into the playoffs with a losing record? So, yeah. And, and I mean, like, you look at it it's like yeah, your backup quarterback on week one was throwing to your wide receiver three on week one, right? Like, that was your offense by the end. Yeah, exactly. The results were were as expected. But I do think if you can get Derek Carr, Chris Olave, Mike Thomas, Rashid Shahid, Jawan Johnson, all on the field and producing, I didn't even mention Alvin Kamara. I still feel good about it. Taysom Hill, too. Taysom Hill. There's a lot of weapons, and it's just, can you get this offense to look like it's supposed to look like? That was the frustrating part, is every game last year, you were like halfway into it, and be like, where'd the offense go? What happened? Why has this been so easily taken away? It's part on the quarterback. It's part on the skill positions. It's part on the offensive coordinator. Everyone's got to be better, and one of those people who has to be better is Mike Thomas, because you can't be better if you're not there, and this is what uh, Chris Alava had to say on Mike Thomas. They obviously know each other pretty well. They both went to Ohio State. So Mike Thomas has been something of an idol. Chris Olave, just like Ted Ginn, who is now helping out the wide receivers, has been an idol to Mike Thomas and Chris Alave, all
1: Ohio State guys. And so this is what Chris had to say on Mike Thomas. Obviously, it's going to be a different offense and a really different team in a number of regards, especially if Michael Thomas is on the field consistently. It's been a challenge of late because of all the injuries, but how does he look to you right now? And if he is on the field consistently, how explosive is that offense going to be?
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, We got really explosive. Uh, We got a lot of different weapons. Uh, we got Mike out there. We all know what he could do on the field when he's healthy. Uh, he's probably one of the best, if not the best, receiver in NFL. So uh, I'm excited to have him back, man. He's looking good. He's looking strong, big. Uh, like I said, we, uh, we're looking forward to having an explosive offense, and uh, we're excited about it.
0: We said strong and big, and we saw Mike deadlifting some big weights
2: again. Everyone's getting really excited about these deadlifts. I want to see him running around.
3: But I mean, yes,
2: he does look big. He looks strong and that's always been a part of Mike's game. I need to see him cutting. That's what I'm worried about. Like I good. I'm glad he can lift a lot of heavy weights. That's not what I need to see to feel good about Mike Thomas, but it is still nice. To, I mean, like he's working. I think that's the takeaway is he's working. And with that weight, it's like, is he blocking is what's he, what's he doing? I don't know. I don't know what, (laughs) how heavy is a football, right? (laughs) I'm glad he's strong. And I think, but like, I'm joking, you know, when you deal with lower body injuries, right? The only, you can't really do a ton. You kind of have to hope your body doesn't let you down, but one of the things you can do, and I've dealt with a lot of knee injuries and ankle injuries. So I, I've had to do this too, is you strengthen the muscles around those weak points so that, the muscles can help protect the joints and the, you know, there's not so much you can do about your toes. You can't really strengthen your toes, but especially the ankle, it's like, okay, if you're, if your knees are strong, if your calves are strong, if your quads are strong, that's going to help support your body. And so that's why if you're Mike Thomas, you're lifting heavy weights, you're trying to build up your lower body so that it can support you. And yeah, that's kind of my, my harebrained, uh, medical analysis. Don't, don't quote me. I'm no David Chow. I do, um, wish,
0: I do wish that Mike was bringing Olave along for some of those weightlifting sessions.
2: Maybe he is. Who
0: knows?
1: <laughs> Chris,
2: you know, it's funny. Cause Chris, uh, they mentioned this about Marshawn Lattimore, Derek Carded, And I think Chris is the same way of like, there are guys who post all their workouts on social media. They just, you know, it's just something they do. It's a motivational yeah. thing. And like, then there are guys who, you know, are working. But are not post- posting all their stuff on social media. You see Marshawn Lattimore show up, he's doing work. He's working in the offseason. He's just not showing it to you on social media. I think Chris Alave is similar. You know, like when you see stuff about Chris Alave on social media, it's because he's working with Mike Thomas and and then Mike's posting something about it, right? Like Chris is a guy who does the work on his own. But I, that is a good segue. And And these are just props that I invented. I looked up to see if I could find any actual props and I couldn't. But So I'm going to give you some over-unders here and I'm going to ask you to answer them. All right, I'm ready. So first off, over-under, 100 catches for Chris Olave. What would you put it at? I would put under on the 100 catches. I think it'll be closer
0: to that 85 to 90 range. I don't think he'll leap up into the 100 catch range just because of hopefully a healthy Michael Thomas and the rest of the other weapons around him. He won't need to be that much of a target.
2: I agree with you i think and that is the same reasoning i had if michael thomas is there there are not a hundred catches to be had by chris olave he might get close if he plays all 17 games which he didn't last year he missed multiple games and i think you might see him tick up but i also i'm not sure i want to see him catching 100 passes i want to see him making big plays i want to see him making splash plays down the field catch and run plays where you're cut you're you're just cutting off 50 yards in one in one gash and you're and you're Putting pressure on the defense. That's why I want to see more. So I agree with you there. Over under twelve hundred and fifty yards. Ooh, that's good, man. That's that's a good number. And I'm gonna,
0: I'm going to say hopefully over because yeah, I want to see those yak gar- yards go up and um, just in general see more of Olave's speed and you know we we see how smooth and silky he runs in training camp in these practices. I want to see more of that translate onto game days in year two and think that you know he'll he'll be afforded that and be able to get into that uh that's a that's a really sweet spot that 1300 1, yard range
2: but i I'll go over that yeah it's it's a tough one to project i think the way I'll put it is your expectations have to be over yeah right like what with, with it's it's kind of one of those like okay are we predicting it or are we assessing it? And if you're looking at Chris Olave and you're saying, "What do I need Chris Olave to do this year?" 1,400 yards receiving is probably there. Like I, I need big plays, and I need him to be consistent. And so if that's if that happens over the course of 16, 17 games, I would expect more than 1,250 yards. Now the next one is, I think, a bigger question: over under seven touchdowns. That's another good. You got you got good betting numbers. I, I like that too. Oof. Yeah, actually, I'll give you a hook. I'll give you six and a
0: half, over under six and a half touchdowns. All right, I'll go over then because, yeah, I think that seven, eight range is the sweet spot for me. Um, he had four last year. Uh, would definitely think you could double that number with a Derek Carr. Sure, there's, like we've been talking about, there's these offensive weapons in the mix, but I just think Olave is um, one of those the, the key guys on this offense that's got to be getting into
2: the end zone. See, I I disagree with you there. I'm going under on touchdowns, and this is a hopeful under for me. And the reason is, like I like I mentioned, I'm not going under on touchdowns because I don't think Chris Olave can catch touchdowns. I'm going under because I think that there are a lot of pieces on this offense that are gonna be that are gonna be picking up touchdowns. And if for Chris Olave to go over six and a half, it would probably be a sign that one of two things is happening. One, either this offense is incredibly prolific and is scoring all the time. And and if that's the case, then great more likely it's because you're playing a lot of games without Alvin Kamara. You're playing a lot of games without Mike Thomas. You're playing a lot of games without Juwan Johnson or Juwan is not a big part of the offense that you wanted him to be. Jamal Williams is suddenly not cashing in at the goal line. And so you're throwing the ball out like that's, I, I, I think if I'm, if I'm hoping for numbers, it is sub 100 catches, I agree with you in about the 85 range over 1,250 yards. So your yards per catch is high. Your yak is high and you're, and you're picking up big chunks of yardage and you're setting up for your elite red zone weapons to do their work in the red zone. Taysom Hill, Jawan Johnson, Jamal Williams, Mike Thomas. So that's why I'm going under, but again, that's a hopeful under, it's not, It's not okay, Chris Olave has a monster season, great. I think for this team to be at its best, you want to see other people picking up touchdowns.
0: No, I mean, you mentioned that there, even with Jamal Williams, I can only imagine how many TDs he's going to end up vulturing away from Alvin Kamara this season. He had 17 touchdowns
2: last year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing. <laughs> right. I, I think he, he had more rushing touchdowns than the entire Saints roster combined. I oh. mean... <laughs> Al, like Taysom led them with seven. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. The
0: offense definitely needs to take, it better be that prolific offense you're talking about because, you know, you brought the QB in, you paid him, and with a healthy allotment of weapons around him, there's no reason that this team can't be, I'm not going to say a, no, a top tier offense in the league, but they should be in the top
2: 10 range, I would imagine. You'd hope you know and and i and i do think that there is going to be a a learning curve here anytime you add a new quarterback it, it's not it's never going to be perfect i i want to see this offense be efficient at the beginning of the season and get better as the year goes on i think last year you saw them get a little worse as the year went on you know those last couple of weeks it was like hmm this is very much canned offense like sometimes it works most of the time it doesn't and That was just not something you saw with Drew Brees. Like when you had Drew Brees under under center, you know, those week 15 games against the Panthers, it was like, oh, they're going to blow him out of the water because the Saints have been improving steadily throughout the course (laughs) of the year. The Panthers have been getting worse. And that was the case in a lot of late season games. Remember the Bengals game? I want to say if week 14, Andy Dalton was the quarterback. By the end of it, the Bengals mascot was banging his head on the ground in frustration. Like that was in Cincinnati. I think it was like 58 to nothing or something insane. The Eagles game where Drew Brees threw to four undrafted receivers for touchdowns. Yes. Like those are the types of games that we, you expect to see from the Saints offense late in the year. And you just have to hold serve early in the year to the point where you can make that late season push and not doing that last year is the reason you missed the playoffs. Same thing about, well, not necessarily the year before that, that was a, that was an injury thing, but Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get, you got to, you have need the offense to be at its best at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, just in all, we we saw way too much of the struggle to move the ball down the field, and especially bottle up. It seemed when she got in the red zone, Uh, uh, hoping. Yeah, Derek Carr is a huge flip to that this season. I I think the Saints averaged nineteen points a game last year, and that that's just not going to cut it.
2: Nope. All right, I think that's all I have on Derek Carr. But I do have one more rant I want to get off before um, we move on. So the Jets are appearing to be the 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 hard knocks pick.
0: then you know Aaron
2: Rodgers, New York market. Yeah, I think anyone could have probably seen this coming in terms of right. who does the NFL want the most, right? Hard knocks can force one of four teams: the Jets, the Pan. I'm sorry, the Jets the Saints, the Commanders, and the Bears onto Hard Knocks. It's because they have don't have a first-year head coach, they haven't been on it in the last 10 years, and they have not made the playoffs e- in either of the last two seasons. My issue is not so much with the idea that the Jets are going to be on Hard Knocks. It is with, if you are learning information from aggregators on Twitter, know that there's like an 80% chance that if it's not just straight up wrong, it is possibly misinterpreted and I'm gonna go through this example right here and we were talking about this before we came on and it annoys me because I end up getting questions about stuff that it's like no this has never been the case why are we why why does are everyone confused and it's because stuff like this happens so Mike Florio pro football talk yesterday he writes a post that literally the context of the post says the jets are bracing for an involuntary hard knocks assignment that's the reporting. Mike Florio is saying that the Jets are preparing themselves for something they have said they don't want, and that is to be forced onto hard knocks. It is not saying that they are being forced onto hard knocks. It is saying that they are expecting to be forced onto hard knocks. Within minutes, Dov Kleiman, who I complain about all the time, he has almost 200,000 followers on Twitter, and he just aggregates stuff. He just steals content from other people, posts it, and then at the end says like, oh, by the way, they reported this. The problem is he does it all the time, and he gets it wrong. So what did I just say? The Jets are bracing for being selected on hard knocks. They have not yet been selected on hard knocks. Well, how does he phrase it in his tweet, which has been, quote, tweeted 500 times, 700 retweets, whatever, report, Colin, Jets will be the hard knocks team this season, comma, a source tells Mike Florio. I think that would be news to Mike Florio because that's not what he reported. And it drives me insane because it's like, how simple is this? We're playing a game of telephone. Ah, It's so annoying to me, but that's just where we're at with, with reporting where it's like people are reporting on reporting and getting the reporting wrong. So like uh, anytime you see that, maybe take a second and go look at the original context that he is pulling it from, because this happens all the time and it is annoying And it's just, this is why misinformation spreads. And, you know, I think the Jets probably are going to be the team that gets picked on the hard knocks. And so he'll never have to answer for like mistakenly reporting this. But when, you know, the commanders get picked and everyone's like, wow, why? I can't imagine why, What, what, what happened? I thought the Jets were the team. And like, well, actually, no, this is just an idiot getting the news wrong because he's not the one who's actually reporting. Anyway, that's my, that's my rant and it's annoying, but whatever
0: that idiot too. also the, the terrible news or the terrible misreporting reporting of the news about John Gruden's involvement with the saints reared its head to me recently right. Again, at a family gathering. I had someone tell me, Oh, so the saints hired John Gruden as a coach. That's got to be really good heading into this year. And I'm like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. He has not been hired by the team, please. But yeah, yeah that, that's still something that's out there that a lot of people, I guess, have bought into after someone like a dove climbing, you know, put out there that they were putting they were bringing Gruden in on the staff. And that's not correct.
2: Right. And and it's like, yeah, this is an account that looks official has 200000 followers. It's verified because he spends eight dollars a month. And <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, all it takes is you reading something and reposting it in a way that is inaccurate, which is what he did and says John Gruden's returning to the NFL like well no that's not what happened but then it's like you have to spend weeks beating back this misinformation and like not only was that misinformation it created this entire flood of resentment toward the Saints for doing something they didn't do and it's like I'm not a gatekeeper for the Saints they can fight their own battles but Jesus this is stupid if you're not getting your your news from like the people who are reporting it locally and you're just getting it from like ml football and these guys who just troll around and try to steal content from people just be aware that what you're reading is is maybe 80 percent based in fact that's all i'm saying
0: what's amazing too to me too is like you said this guy has tons of followers that are just i don't i don't i don't know if you blindly are 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 just accepting this news that you
2: you have to know that a lot of it is 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 going to be wrong. I get, I, I mean, it's just how Twitter is, right? Like, that's just how the, the the news cycle is. And there's only so much you can do about it. I, and I don't even have an issue with aggregators so much as I have an issue with poorly done aggregating yeah. that, that is making things more confusing. It's like, if you are not going to be able to summarize that information correctly, then don't do it. Just retweet it but there's money. And I guess he writes for a bro Bible now, which great. That's where I want to get my sports news is bro Bible, but that's it. That's not even what this podcast is about. It just, it just really annoys me. And I saw that tweet and I was like, Oh wow. The jets got picked on hard knocks. And then I did like 10 seconds of digging and I was Same like, thing, I right. this does it all. Okay.
0: No, it's, it's frustrating. And like I said, it was like, it popped up again this weekend when I had a family member say, Oh, John Gruden's on the Saints staff. And I was like, wow. We're, we're around it constantly, obviously. So we know about the misinformation, but other folks are still out there. There are still a faction of folks that obviously believe that John Gruden is a saint.
2: I mean, you're just scrolling through Twitter and you see something that looks official and you're going to believe it, right? That's one of my main issues with the whole verified system on Twitter. Now it's like the check marks mean nothing. It can just be a rant. Your, your cousin who has $8 from his allowance. <laughs> like You know what? I'm verified today. Let me report some news. Anyway, it, it's just annoying. And, uh, I I just needed to get that off my chest. But anyway, that's it. I'm going to let Steve go because he has a show to host this afternoon. He's going to hang out with Bobby Abear. Actually, no. It's going to be just you and Mike, correct? No, Bobby's in and we'll be, yes, rejoicing over the LSU win. Yeah, so he's going to be hanging out with Bobby Abear. This will post after that show, so I don't know why I'm I'm promoting it, but Steve will be on there the rest of this week too. (laughs) WWL AM 870 FM 153 and on the Odyssey app. We'll be back out there on Friday. We'll finally have a Friday show for the first time in what feels like a month. So check that out. But okay, this has been Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Noack. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. He's Steve Geller at Steve Geller. WWL. Follow us on Twitter at Saints underscore Pod. And we're going to be getting back into it. We got a month, about a month before training camp. I think they're going to start late June. They haven't officially announced the dates, but I know lot, like Jeff Duncan reported June twenty or July twenty fourth uh, as the date. So I'm sure we'll be getting the actual date soon, but that's what we're looking forward to. But all right, y'all. Thanks, Steve. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go us. Go us.